Welcome slash welcome back to the Introverted Black Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Shalia Williams. If you're looking to connect with fellow introverts or your person looking to understand more about introverts, this podcast is definitely for you. We discuss all topics involving introverts, parenthood, black issues, and so much more. So thank you for joining. On today's episode, I have with me my introverted sister, Natasha Williams, and we get into the importance of black representation in the media. Black representation in the media is important in front of and behind the cameras. And truly, representation in media can truly affect your identity as a person. So without further ado, let's get right into the episode. Hey, Tasha. Thanks for coming back on with me today. Hey. What's up with you? Nothing. Just relaxing? Of course. (laughs) Okay. All right. So um, as everybody has heard in the intro, today's episode will focus on the importance of representation in the media as far as uh, today we're talking specifically about um, television shows and movies, I would say. So, um, what what prompted this was because, alright, I want to say probably like for the last year and a half, my two bonus daughters, they're 12 and 9, they had been watching shows that are like from our generation. And I was just like, wait, what the heck? Like, I know one day I Say it again. I said, what shows have they been watching? Oh, um, The Proud Family. Ooh. Yeah, they were, okay. watch- <laughs> they were watching The Proud Family, and I was like, that's random. And I asked them, I'm like, wait, this is my show. How y'all know about this? And they were like, oh, my mom was watching it. She told us about it. I was like, oh, all right, that makes sense. Perfect. So yeah. then um, yesterday, I was sitting down, and one of my bonus girls came up, was sitting down with me, and put on what put on the Parker's. And so I'm watching it, and she was like, oh, and the, you know, the character D yeah. from the Parkers was on there. So she recognized her and was like, oh, that's from, that's D, Moisha. Moisha's mom. I'm sorry, I know I just said the uh, show is backwards. And I'm like, okay, yeah, so we watched the Parkers, she enjoyed it, yada, yada, yada. So that brings yeah. me, it started making me, like, kind of go down this rabbit hole. So we watched a few episodes of the Parkers. And I saw on Netflix, like, Moesha was put on there recently. And it just was, like, really nostalgic. And it made me think about um, my childhood and all that good stuff. Yeah. Steph, do you remember all a bunch of shows we used to watch when we were growing up? Specifically, do you remember UPN? Of course. Yes. UPN, I had pulled it up because I'm like, all right, how long was UPN for? Um mm-hmm. It came out in 95, and it was over in 2006. Now, wow. let's see. I'm going to give a quick rundown of the TV show and see if this sparked any more, if you forgot any. Okay. And, and you know what's crazy is because I'm like, I assumed, and I don't know if the black community made this up, and we just claimed mm-hmm. it, but I just was like, all right, clearly UPN, we always thought for these all these years that it's a black network. Like, it's a black-owned network. What happened? Because I know I've been angry about it. Yeah. It ain't Me black too. <laughs> but it just has so many bro. black shows that it just feel like it. But yeah. all right, so we had remember all of us. Yes. Yep. Yes. All of us. With the white button. Okay. Mm-hmm. That was a joint with um Jada Pinkett, like you said. I mean, sorry, it was based on Jada and Will's 
married. Uh -huh. Like Lucy based on that in a relationship. They had Lisa Ray in it. Yup. And Dwayne Martin. Yeah. And Bobby. Oh yeah, young Bobby, yup. Um, what else? They had Eve. Remember Eve? I like that show. I just was watching that show. Yes. yes. And like obviously Eve can't, um it was cool to see her because she a rapper from Philly. We from Philly, so we like, oh yeah, yes. I'm, this was and I thought about it. Now, I don't know if I go back now and we'll feel the same way, but I can remember thinking like that was an art little show. Like I I mean I, maybe to me. It was it was kinda it was entertaining. I remember watching yeah. it a lot. And they had girlfriends. Oh, girlfriends, yes. Joan Clayton, Maya, all them. My my teenage years, well, my preteen and teenage years watching girlfriends. Mm -hmm. What else was it? Oh, um, half and half. Mm -hmm. They had that was what, what was that Mona and she had the half sister with the bougie mom. Or whatever. Yes. What was it? Big D and Lil D. Oh yeah, Big D D Lil D D. Right. They had um. The Hughleys. Oh, oh in the house. They had in the house. Oh, go back. Yeah. That's what I remember I had a crush on him. He used to wear the, the one sweatpants. I was like, yes. okay. Plum. Stop it. <laughs> they had um, Malcolm and Eddie. With Malcolm uh -huh. Jamal Warner and Eddie Griffin. Is Ooh, it Griffin? Yeah. Griffin? Griffin. 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 I'm thinking of Andy Griffith show. I'm merging. And them old white people <laughs> but just sorry Eddie Griffin <laughs> yes. um, oh god Moesha of course one mm -hmm. on one mm -hmm. that was cool yes and Parker yes. that was good and what else oh yeah and then like when they when reality TV was starting to come about they ended up having um America's Next Top Model oh oh yeah you remember the show Cuts? Oh, with Marcus yeah. Houston? Let me see. Did I? Yes, Cuts is on this list too. Yep, with Marcus Houston. Yes. Was, yeah, it was Marcus Houston. Because they work at the barbershop. Mm -hmm. And I remember we liked that show. And it, and it was like one season and it just like disappeared. Speaking of that, see, now I'm getting angry. Now look, <laughs> it's been a while, but I can remember being real mad when UPN just disappeared. Because it was UPN for all them years and they turned into, uh, what was the new network called? Um, the CW. Yes, the CW. Whatever the heck that was. And, <laughs> no, because I'm really mad because Girlfriend, you know that was our show. All them shows was our show. Yes. But Girlfriend, yes. I was highly and deeply invested into those characters. You don't understand. And I still remember Girlfriends just disappeared. I am still traumatized. I did not get the finale. There's no reason I should have not known what happened between Tony and Joan to this day. Ooh, so they, didn't have, they didn't have like a specific, they didn't have a series finale. It just disappeared. We never got it. <sighs> yes. Stop bringing back childhood trauma. <laughs> and, but you know what it was? It was because of that, of that merger. And it's crazy yes. because they sprinkled, this is how they got us. It was like, all right, let me take out one or two black shows. We was like, ah, right, that was good. But we was like, all right, we ain't going to trip too much. We still got, you know, a bunch more mm -hmm. left to watch. Then they popped up with something like, what was that show? Veronica Mars or somebody Mars? Yeah. But it was predominantly. Yeah, Veronica Mars. Yeah, and it was One like, Tree Hill. One Tree Hill. <laughs> 
Exactly. That was not cool. I'm like, it was. It's one thing to have, um, to have it on there. Okay, that's fine. I'm, I'm not upset yeah. that there's a predominantly white show on the network, but don't take them off. Take all the other shows. And this was the crazy part. It wasn't even like the ratings were bad. These was top they shows, wasn't. which to me proves. I feel like I've heard um, actors and actresses in Hollywood be like, um, when they talk to like Hollywood execs and they go to pitch shows, a lot of times they'd be like, well, will middle America like this? Middle America, quote unquote, yeah. meaning like, will a white audience watch it? And it's just all this, like, oh, a white audience won't watch it. But I'm like, so the numbers say it is so. The same way there are shows that we watch and enjoy that don't have an all black cast and we're black. It also could be the opposite way. Yeah. You don't have to necessarily be of that same group, a person of that group for it to, to do well or you like it. However, as you're talking about, it is very important. So I wanted to go back to Living Single and why I really, okay. really love that show. Like, thinking back, like, I'm, I'm thinking back to those years and you now I'm thinking as an adult why I really liked it. You know how dope them people were? Like, think about that. Yeah. In the 90s. I just was watching Living Single this, yes, Right. Amazed at how yeah. the different careers and uh-huh. the intelligence that all of them had in their own ways, even Sinclair. Exactly. And even right, exactly. And she was obviously most times that same formula be like, you got the successful character versus like they got the dopey person that asked yeah. for the, the humor or whatever. But she was a good actress. Yes, she was. So she was really quirky. Her cousin put her on because her Deja owned a whole freaking magazine owner of this so she put her on and gave her a receptionist job you had Overton that had a that had a job a good job quote-unquote good whatever that means that's a whole other story but mm-hmm. like the building engineer or maintenance man I know he was like called himself the handyman you had Kyle Barker stockbroker stockbroker exactly Maxine Shaw attorney at law she was a freaking lawyer and dope yes. and funny and and another thing not only that Wait a minute, who am I missing? Regine. Yeah. Regine was um a um boutique owner. And I just was able, like, I saw myself in those characters, at least who I wanted to be in so many of them. But not yeah. only that, yo, now that I'm thinking about it, like, think about their love interest. We know that Regine character was she was like hood bougie or whatever, like mm-hmm. always trying to be something she wasn't. But even like the they dated like high profile men. Yeah. Um, remember Scooter like he played ball yes like, professional basketball player um, Khadija's love interest so I'm like they showed not only was the, the main characters like they was funny and I thought it was the show was done really well but people that they brought on the show were also like will be considered highbrow or whatever you want to say like really um, up class high class whatever black people Somebody basically that would make you proud for them to be representing you. I liked it because it they were able to be funny mm-hmm. without being stereotypically funny. Yes. And they were able point. to like mm-hmm. we could all relate to them. Even if we didn't know anybody in those fields, it still was like all of them reminded us of one of our relatives or somebody that we knew. But they yeah. were still able to do all this without Cater to the stereotype or it being, you know, thugs and robbers and you know how a lot of black yeah. shows, a lot of shows portray black people. Or, yeah. No, and, that's very true. You make a real good point with that. Another thing to add on to that, um, 
with them being funny without being like stereotypically you know how they would be with years ago with menstrual shows and blackface and just really just like degrading humor like we laugh with these characters not at these characters so that's the difference but I like the the complete just black black and black 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 they was blacking it up and I love it I was here for it then I'm really can appreciate it so specifically I use some of your thoughts on this with Kyle Barker Mm -hmm. right so you know in our household our family um with some extended family Kwanzaa was really good was really big in our household Yes, it was. Like, December is coming up, so I'm looking forward to, you know, celebrating Kwanzaa and all that, picking back up on those traditions. Mm-hmm. And we know that our parents' home, when we were growing up, it was decorated with all this really, in my opinion, really dope, beautiful, African-inspired artwork, decorations. We know we took family portraits with traditional African um, clothing. The fact that... Um, 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 Kyle would wear dashiki. That meant yeah. something to me because our grandfather wears dashiki. And when he would wear, Kyle would wear different um scars with traditional print, whether it was like Kente cloth print or the mud cloth, like all those different things. It was good to see. And he had natural yeah. hair. Like, you used to, you were used to seeing, I guess at least in my life, you were used to seeing men with haircuts or whatever. But to actually, mm-hmm. he had his hair actually grown out and really showing his texture. Max had braids, but it was like tradition, like they was blacky yes. black, and I love it. So yes, I like, I really is, like it about. Oh, I didn't even, I thought about that, but mm-hmm. I also didn't think about. But that goes to show how representation really matters, and yes. also that I didn't even realize that that in so many of those shows they had on um, sweatshirts and they bigged up the HBCU. Yes! So true. I didn't realize that until I got older. I was like, yo, that's decent. Like, they did that's it. True. Like, they, yeah, they had the sweatshirts and yeah. It, it was, yeah, that's all childhood. Looking back at the media, rep, media representation was... Yeah, it was good. Or, I think that was, it was really... It was it was definitely good for us then and good for us now. And yeah, come to think about like I could picture like some of the scenes and decorations even in Living Single at the different apartments. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, it was definitely African decor and the color. Yeah, it was just it really, really good. Um another thing- made me want to work at flavor. Yes. I know kind of rule magazine, but she made I I don't know. I wanted her to be my boss. I don't know why, but yeah, and they, it was like they were so relatable, and it was like I could be friends with them. And like you said, like okay, I got a family member that reminds me of this person, yeah. or this is how I want to be. And um, another thing is looking back on it, what I want to mention specifically about um, Kyle wearing those the African garb and clothing is um, for us. While growing up, we would get a lot of compliments on like our house decor, and people would come in, and you got the pictures on the wall, and we celebrated Kwanzaa. A lot of uh, African American uh, black people, they were either not aware of it or embarrassed by it. And I can yeah. remember me thinking it was completely normal, me being really, really proud of it, like being a chance to, because I really felt connected. I did. Yes. That was the culture, Kwanzaa being created as a black holiday made me feel more connected and like, okay, where did I come from? We have something too. And like we had um our family member is like a melting pot of different races and cultures um 
friends, definitely the schools I went to. So I'm like, it would be good on those days where, okay, you know, you do those projects, share your culture and all that. Like, I was proud to go up there and talk about Kwanzaa. Because I thought it was yeah. so interesting where I got to learn about all these different cultures and, and our social studies classes. You learn about all this stuff. I'm like, dang, all right, where we at? And now I want to represent for that. So, while it, sometimes I felt like it would be embarrassing because other people would make little, like, snide comments or whatever. Because, let's face it, did the U.S. really do a good job at representing the continent, yes, continent of Africa? No. I know, like, it was, I feel like, I'm thinking back to all the commercials we saw in the 90s, like, it was always, like, please help this this country, even though it's a continent, please help the country, which is wrong, of Africa, and it was always only serving children, it was never show any of the developed parts of Africa, so it really gave you this depiction, and when I was really young, that's what I thought it was, I'm like, darn, and, and to be fair, like, who would be proud of being from a place where it seemed like you were nothing. Yeah, and to piggyback off of what you said, because mm-hmm. I'm sitting here thinking about it, when you think about when they describe Egypt, yeah, they don't put that as a country in Africa. It's just yeah. Egypt. That's true. So when think, yeah, so we think about Africa, it's, like you said, it's the starving children. The, mm-hmm. We need help. Without us, then they're going to fail as a, as a continent. Yeah, but then when the media depicts Egypt, it's you only realize that it's an effort. That's true. Girl, oh, you want something here. Now, <laughs> you're making me think about, uh, you know, I love me some Cleopatra. I, yes. I love history. I like learning about people, definitely the past, all that stuff. So I was really into Egyptian culture, the Cleopatra movie. Child, we already know they had them white women playing Cleopatra. I'm like, wait a minute. Now it's in Northern Africa, right? And we know mm-hmm. that in Africa, no, not everybody's stereotypically really um, heavily melanated or really darker skin. We come in all shades. However, why you just couldn't get an actual Egyptian woman or black woman to play her? Like, why y'all just white? And that's why people be confused. So it's like, it seems as if, like you said, like it's separated from Africa. Like Egypt is Egypt. Like that's the only like kind of, well, if you're from Egypt, that's cool. Any other African countries is like us slums. Yeah. Because I think Hollywood believes that black actresses won't sell as Cleopatra. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because when you think about historically Cleopatra, she was supposed to be a seductress. Mm-hmm. And the media, how many black women would be able to be a seductress to everyone? It's like, they might no. be cute to black people. But, uh, but we'll, yeah. in the big picture, like you said, will we'll middle America mm-hmm. believe, like, are they going to be a transbiotic person? That's a really good point. Yeah. I swear this topic is like taking me every place. I got a thousand thoughts in my head. Let me try to focus them. But yeah, to be even to get to get deeper into that, what you said about what a media even find them um, to be a seductress, because we still to this day the standard of beauty in this country is European standard. So duh, of course it's going to be a European woman because you're right. 
And it's not like black women are necessarily seen as that, or at least not publicly acknowledged. Yes. It's, it's almost forbidden to lust over a black woman. That has to be... Our features are what's wanted, but not always the skin complexion. Exactly. Right. And, and or you, they can... You can or the um, Right, you can fetishize some black women, but... You can't let them be the the lead and role. Although we know that's what, what your what your thing is. That what uh that's what excites you. And it's yes. historically accurate, but no. But we digress. Moving on. <laughs> so yes, that's um, a whole nother tangent. A we whole other tangent. But listen, we ain't the only ones doing tangents because um but while I was doing a little bit of research for our episode. It, I had found some quotes from, you know, current actors and actresses, right? It's this quote from Chris Rock, right? So he says, I've never done a movie, any movie, the silliest movie, where some studio person hasn't gone. Does the girl have to be black? It happens every time. Black women are the least represented on screen. They just are. You can go see a lot of movies and there's not one black woman in there like a real part. It's a real problem. Something like yeah, and Chris Rock been around for a long time, and I believe that he absolutely knows what he's talking about. But I'm and, like, dang. And he also said that when he was making his show, mm-hmm. everyone, I'm sorry, everybody hates Chris. Yeah. He pitched it to the studio. They asked him, did Tashina Onu really have to play his mom? Because they want a white, a white actress to come in. And play his mom, and he and Wait. Chris Rock had to fight to get to Tina <laughs> on to be able to play his mom. You said you said a white actress. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. Why would a white actress play Chris Rock? Like, well, I all right, let me stop. In real life, is his was he raised yes. by a white woman? No, no. So what? No. I can't. <laughs> I know. And he, he said that that's all dancing, the audacity of them mm-hmm. asking him. That was a problem, like because why would you even think that? Like, why would that even come out your mouth? You don't ask another race if a black woman can play their right. mom. That is so strange, so so it strange. Is. But speaking of that, like, all right. So when you said other races, that makes me think about this other quote that I um found that I'll chat about real quick. Um, you know the um. What's his name? The the comedian, the actor, uh, John Le- John Leguizamo. I always like saying his name. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but, I know him. So um, he was quoted because he was talking about uh, Latinos being really honest about Hollywood's lack of diversity. So what he said was, I had to do my own project. It was an antidote to the system, to the Hollywoodness, not Hollywoodness, but Hollywoodness of of it all. Because I didn't want to be a drug dealer or a murderer for the rest of my life. That's not me. That's not my people. I'm like, yo, that uh, is super mm. duper important. Because I obviously, think, we're, go ahead. No, no, I'm saying that that's just speak that that in Hollywood that you would still have to go off and do your own thing so you won't be typecast in the same roles yeah. over. And over and over again, and my knowledge of what it did is I wasn't only a select few roles in Hollywood, so to still keep 
having to portray a drug dealer or a thug isn't that's that's just crazy. Right. And speaking of uh, thugs, like I know outside of John Leguizamo talking about that, I know that um actor Idris Elba, mm-hmm. and obviously he's um black, British, whatever. But he talked about mm-hmm. he he really got um a lot of work. He was I was busy, I was getting all this work, but he realized he could he could only play so many like best friends or gang leaders, and he was like, I knew I wasn't gonna land a lead role. He knew it wasn't like enough. He said, I knew there wasn't enough imagination in the industry for me to be seen as a lead. Like, that's crazy. It is. And it goes back to what you mentioned. It was like, it seems like Hollywood can't really handle black faces or people of color as leads or, or you know how, like, I feel like you mentioned this to me before. I'm pretty sure it was you. Like, you said something about, um, or like where's a lot of movie of black movies they be talking about they always need like a white savior or something you said yes. I think you were talking about that yes yes um which that's just something that I noticed well not just me but a lot of people too that in a lot of movies it's the the black person is they always have to be saved by someone else mm-hmm. they're never in the movies it's always even if they are the lead, it's like someone else still has, has to come in and tell them how to do something. And I'm like, as black people, we already know. Like, how come we can't be the well-rounded, intelligent, funny? Because why do we always got, there's always something that's missing from our character. Or we have to have a white savior because yeah. Yeah, we have to the save, I mean, or just a savior in general. They have to come and tell us that what's going on in our community is wrong yeah that's true because it, it seems like it's always this thing like oh well black people are so uncivilized like we need to like they're savages we need to get them together let's they need to assimilate more to european standards and if you do anything outside of that and 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 it seems like it's different not even necessarily wrong but just different so yeah, yeah that's crazy um let me see it was something let me look in my notes because I was doing this and I'm like I really wanted to make sure I hit on certain points so um when we were talking about just more about the importance of it like going back to us talking about living single and how I was like I want to work at Flavor or dang that'd be decent like I could see myself being a um lawyer that is super true for me super duper true for me and to get more into that, like, I know when I was younger and even in my teenage years, even early adulthood, I thought, like, career, like, the quote-unquote career woman would be me. Mm-hmm. I didn't picture my, when I thought about my future, I didn't picture myself married with children like I am in real life. Um, sometimes I felt like I pictured myself married, but I'm like, it just was way different. But I always okay. was like, I thought I would be climbing the corporate ladder somehow. I thought I'd be very invested into my work. I always saw myself being like a Maxine Shaw type person. Like, I thought I would have, like, lots of money. I'm still waiting on that. <laughs> <laughs> lots of we money. Are, uh... And just had that image. Like, I thought I would be definitely wearing a suit. I thought I would be... And even with Kyle Barker, like, that's the funny part. When I'd be wearing a suit, I would be picturing myself like, 
I'ma get the most thorough, uh, like African print something. Like I thought my office would be decorated with different little mugs yeah. and my like my um, like the the mouse pad would have these different things. You know, listen, I was a kid because you don't even have to necessarily have a mouse pad because things is touch screen. But I'm talking about when I was drinking. <laughs> Like I'm thinking all these different things, like my bookshelf and all that. We know that you can. Have, it's, a lot of books are electronic. So, but that's how I saw my office being everything. Like just for all these. Uh, my office was blackly black black. I put it to you that way. And speaking of like blackly black black, um, another quote I found was from Lupita Nyong'o, the actress. Okay. And she said, um, when she was just talking about how important these things are as far as representation, she said, until I saw people who looked like me, it was I wasn't so sure being an actress was a possibility. So I'm like, that's a really good point. Because yeah. I don't know who, I wish I would, could find an article where she was talking specifically, like, you know, what person she looked up to to make her be like, okay, I could do this. But that is so true. It is so true. Like, I know, um, regardless of our political views and what we think about this person, but I know a lot of people were just proud to see Obama become a president. Just for the sake, like, okay, he's a black man. Didn't matter. I mean, it did matter not to say it like that. But, you know, outside of whether you really believed in what he had to say and and if you um, were with him on the political side, I think for the most part, a lot of people can be like, all right, I didn't really vibe with you or whatever my thoughts were, or I did. Um... But you, that was cool. I'm glad to see. So now it's like, all right, it's a possibility. And I'm sure that prior to him, where did Obama get that from? Because you had Jesse Jackson ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shirley, uh, Shirley Chisholm. Chisholm. Exactly, Shirley Chisholm. So I'm like, representation really does matter. And and to go into more what you were saying about um, former President Obama, I think one, because he was a black man, mm-hmm. and we don't really see black men on TV unless you know they're actors, basketball players. Very and good. it's like, yeah, and it's like to have a black man become president of the United States. And and when you, but you know what, when you said that, it made me think about um, like how important seeing representation of yourself like can really affect one person's identity mm-hmm. like even if it's not just specifically racially I think about that gender outside of me but in my own life like I remember telling my husband I said I can remember going to school being told to go to college right and I remember by the time I was like senior year I was thinking like dang like I, I was still excited to go but it was still another thought like well, what if I don't go to college like what is a, a trade I can pick up or what is something else I can do that will really, that I'll mm-hmm. enjoy and I can, you know, make a living for myself. And to be truthful, when I look at everybody around me, whether it be neighbors, family members, friends, whatever, at that time, for my immediate circle, anyone I saw that um, could have what seemed, who could be deemed to be like successful or whatever in life, that were black were men. Meaning, like, they didn't have to go to college. And whether they went to trade school, like, that's that was what I saw. Like, okay, the breadwinners that are men, there was more of them that were able to achieve their high school education and still make a living for their family than compared to women, at least for who I knew. So I was like, okay, mm. 
or I'm a woman, who do I look to? So that was like, okay, that's where your aunts come in and your neighbors or this person who they went and they, they did either some, they did something. They did two years of post high school, four years, master's degrees, but they had higher education. So that's like, when we talk about representation, I think that's really important because even outside of TV, like in your own life, and I wonder if these women had seen more people, more women in the world making a way for themselves without having to go to college. I wonder what they would have chosen. But getting back to men, when you talk about black men. Wow, I didn't, I'm sorry, Petra. Go ahead. I didn't even, no, I didn't even think about Yeah. That, that makes sense, though. It's absolutely I true. Of, I didn't even put that mm-hmm. together. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, um, obviously you're my sister, so you know, so I made, I had two degrees. I made a decision to go to college, mm-hmm. but the truth is I already was like, Hmm, we, I need to do a college episode because there's more to my story with, with college and how that whole thing turned out and, <laughs> and picking them and yada, yada, yada. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not a person. I never was a person who was like, to you cannot be anything if you don't go to college. That wasn't how I truly mm-hmm. felt. However, being in school, it felt like um, the older generation in the school system really pushed college. Because remember, it was those statistics that were like, you know, if you have a GED, you make this much. You got a high school diploma, and then each thing you got was you were said to be having this life. And it's like, and then next yeah. you get your parents on board. So it's like a lot of parents are on board. Okay, because you want your the next generation to have more or do more than what you did. But for me, a lot of that was a crop, a crap. And I was feeling it. it. At that time, it wasn't really many people around me, at least that I remember that were like saying the opposite. I'm like, okay, no, this is what you could do. We know now with social media and different things, these things, like the, the whole thing of being a content creator and being paid for these things didn't exist in 2005 and 2007 when this was coming about. Like social media was still new. Like you had, um, what was that? What was it called? MySpace. Yeah, it was MySpace. And then Facebook was around. But when I learned about Facebook, Facebook was still in the phase where you had to be in a college and at a certain college to get it. It wasn't open to everybody. So I thought, oh, this is cool. But long story short, it wasn't a thing. It didn't feel like it was as many options. So I'm like, okay, I do want to do the right thing. I'm trying to listen to the adults around me. They saying go this way. But inside, I'm like, but what if I could? And to add on top of that, then we'll move on. I can remember being like applying to um, more traditional jobs that men were working. Like what's funny about me and only a few people know this. It's a lot of things. I feel like I got a lot of talents and interests to be honest, but at least a lot of interests I'll say. I don't know how talented I am in them. But for me, my dream job was to be a construction worker. (laughs) Don't know why, but I always did. To this day, I'm still like, never construction's going on. I'm just fascinated. I just think it's so dope (laughs) that you can, it's a group of people that can literally build the buildings and playgrounds and houses and all the stuff that we live in and we need on a daily basis. I wanted to do that. Even as far as things like being like with maintenance or working in the hospital, being, um, you know, cleaning up. I never thought those things were beneath me. I would apply for the jobs and never get hired. And then let's say I would go to said place that I was working in. It would be sometimes women, but it would be like the things I was playing, it was mostly men. It didn't seem like yeah. it was like a space they never got called back. When I would apply for jobs that might be um, traditionally, like, I guess, geared more towards women that wanted them to be in it, I would get the, the, the job or get a call back. So it made me really discouraged because I'm like, dang, I don't know nobody else that 
or at least enough people that made this move that's really like okay you know this is how you do it so yeah yeah that, that is very that representation truly affected my life and my outcome because to be honest with you had i had that representation or maybe a guide to show me i would not have gone to college i would have taken another route to be honest or at least i wouldn't have majored in in the major that i had you know what I was just thinking about because you were talking about college and mm-hmm. uh, representation. I was thinking even before that, like in school, I was trying to think of how many teachers I had that looked like me. Oh yeah. Because mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. I think I looked all of the years from elementary to high school. I can count on my fingers how many black teachers I had, and I think it was five. I think I had five. Like four or five, I can't remember. But mm-hmm. let me think. To add to that, I'm thinking about if I am needing or or wanting to have guidance from a black male, or if I'm a black yeah. male, it seems like it's even less black male teachers. I'm I'm gonna just go from elementary to high school. I won't count per college professors. I think I had three. I had was black male teachers. I had one, I think. Yeah. No, wait, two. I'm sorry, two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had two. Yeah. One was in elementary, one was in high school as my gym teacher. Right, yeah. So, yeah. All that representation in real life and TV, it really does affect all of us. And, um, like I was saying, like seeing yourself in media really can affect your identity. I found a quote from um, a young actress, and I gotta look at her um, her full name. Sorry, y'all. I don't know why it's escaping me or it's not written in my notes. Her last name is um, Stenberg. Anyway, she says projects that feature black actors and are created by black people are so important because what we see in the media dictates how we think about the world. And um, like, yeah, representation is so important for black kids growing up. And it was similar to what we talked about earlier in this episode, representation. Because why, and to this day, why is it so many, just not even just black, white, whatever, Americans in general, that got the depiction of what black people are and definitely Africans. The fact that they even, and when we get back to school, they, they were teaching that the continent of Africa is smaller than the U.S., but they do those Not things. True. Exactly. But they do those things and it'd be subtle things that really subconsciously make you feel the way about person. If the United States and it's called the greatest country in the world. And you know we obsessed with flags in this country and, and all that stuff. And we even make our kids pledge allegiance to a country at as soon as they able to go to school, which I'm not sure how many other countries do. Where you gotta be like, hey, I barely know what these words mean, but I'ma stand up and pretty much pray to this flag and pledge my allegiance and will not be disloyal to a country before I even really know what the heck is going on. I digress, because I'ma get on the tangent with that. Yes, that's a whole nother Listen, episode. Whole other episode. But <laughs> it makes me also think about like what when I started working with children and I heard about it reading articles that other people have since spoken about it plenty of people talked about it. it's nothing new but the representation and the and, and the want for our black boys to be athletes or rappers mind you <laughs> mind you I'm not against that get out my head <laughs> I'm not against that I entertainment and 
athleticism, that's part of our culture, I'm for it. The only thing that I'm not for is that it's not a full picture shown. I love music, love rap music, but we know that the percentage of people who actually can make a living out of it or get what so many of us aspire to be as far as on a professional level is the statistics is very low. So imagine if we had um, more people, especially doctors, having people that look like me in the medical field is super important to me. Like I just feel just more trusting of you because okay we can relate but they just you know it's it's like we only stuck and, and I don't blame I can remember being at work and I remember I can't remember where I was but it was another black person who was just kind of like telling the kids you know like be do something else don't always think about um you know athletes or or just limelight stuff and I got what this person was saying, but I feel like I would have delivered really differently because to me, it's not necessarily their fault. We know that these people in, in America is very heavily influenced by celebrities. And we know that we turn people who rap, people who play professional sports into celebrities. So if that's what I'm seeing and everybody has their own definition of success. So for a lot of people, we're talking about my life now. We got a lot of great people and positive people that we're related to and in our lives, right? We're fortunate mm-hmm. for that. But suppose you don't have those people in your circle. Who do you look to? And if you seeing that the people who so-called made it and, and can do things and take care of themselves and their family are these people, aren't you going to aspire to be that? So I'm like, what they're aspiring to be isn't necessarily wrong. I just wish they were shown the fuller picture. What about some doctors? What about some scientists? What about some um, CEOs of companies? Um, what about um, managers and just everyday workers, whether blue collar, white collar, whatever it is, like construction work, whatever it is, like if they were, and, and teachers, teachers, oh my goodness, like they treat like scum of the earth, but they're mm-hmm. super important. What about authors? Like authors are super important. Those words that teachers use to then educate us with like and so many other people that could really, that's really dope, but you might, you don't know that because that's all that's shown to us. And they exist, probably not enough Mm -hmm. of them, but I feel like media representation is also important. If you only show the athlete where it's some chance of one, I feel like you can easily um, kind of brainwash or influence a whole group of people to think like, unless I can do this thing, I'm pretty much at the bottom. I don't feel that great about myself. Yeah. Yeah. Or or even with the athletes, or if you only show them just you know playing their sport mm-hmm. but you don't show them doing other things or that's all your main focus is only I'm only going to show you playing basketball it's like right. no but I do this challenge I do this I mm-hmm. do that there's more to be than this basketball and in the media it's like yeah yeah we know but we don't care about that right. what we care about is we want to see this ball in your hand and what you could do and and that goes to another thing like like I, I feel like it and I feel like it's a lot of non-black people that unless you black are entertaining us shut up I will exactly. have you in my building I will have you on my team I will sign you to my label I will watch you on TV I will fund your project if I can make lots of money off of it but I'm entertained by you but don't have an opinion of it yeah 
let's be happy that you're here. Exactly. Because, and it's easy for, for us to do that because we know what, what the other result is. You'll be seen as nothing or live a quote-unquote average life. But, again, representation. So, this is another thing. Um, and maybe I was actually thinking about it while I was in physical therapy some months ago. And anyway, my physical therapist, um, cool lady, um, white girl. So, we were just talking in general just about family stuff and she was like oh yeah you know my father-in-law we were joking about like holidays like yeah my father-in-law he's a dentist and, blah, blah, blah. and she just naming him not like in a braggadocious way but she just naming okay yeah my dad is a retired this person but all what would be con- considered prestigious job titles and then even like okay well my husband is now um a dentist as well or 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 something like that but i'm like dang that representation that they had so even outside of the media, if they go to a doctor, if they go to a business, they can then aspire to be the owner or the CEO of these businesses because it's right there in their face. You could turn on the TV and see it's right. The owners of the team, like we aspiring mm-hmm. to be the players, which is nothing wrong with that. But if I'm non-black, I'm probably aspiring to be the owner or the commissioner of the entire league because it's right in my face because people that look like me are doing it. So why am I just going to stick to what would be considered the lower thing? I'm never going to think about being a commissioner. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to think about owning this company. I'm going to be thinking about, let me get a job because who I see that's the first person to greet me in the service industry is a person who looked like me. I don't see mm-hmm. the owner of the building because he all he or she living their life and they don't look like me anyway. So, Or, or even if um, you try to be an owner or something it's still and so okay especially with sports and the media mm-hmm. like with the I'm I'm going to do basketball for example with right. the basketball players a lot mm-hmm. of them own stock in other fields and I mean I love the sports so some of them own stock in other fields but it's like it seems like it will never be a black team owner, at least he doesn't get the same number. It's still like, well, you still need a savior behind you. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. you're black, we like you, but once again, will middle America be okay with a black team owner? Because it's kind of like, well, y'all can play on the sport. I mean, y'all can play on the team, but we need somebody that's going to rule you in. And if you, a fellow black person is like, no, they probably still won't let them do whatever they want to do. And they don't understand the business and they don't understand numbers and accounting and right. all of that. So that's nothing. Or it's still that within the industry, I'm allowed to be a basketball player, but you're going to go to my friend to manage your money. You can't go to anybody else except the people who I choose for you to go to for my money and for. Yeah. And, and, and you know stuff like that. No. Well, the nepotism that, that is nepotism. A lot. Yeah. I, and listen, I'm not mad at nepotism. Mm-hmm. The the thing that bothers me is that if you um look like me or you, you can't even get in the room to then be able to be like, well, I'm gonna use nepotism. I'm gonna pass this on to my daughter or son. It just doesn't happen. Child, yeah, because I was about to get into it, but we'll have a whole other tangent because you know what I'm about to say. Because, listen, there's a lot of stuff that um, the uh, European descent people can do that's considered fine. But mm-hmm. the same thing could be done if you, and it's considered a uh, ratchet or ghetto. 
Yes. You can you mm-hmm. can own a company and get them tax breaks. You can you can or receive government help. But if you black and getting it, you mooching or you yeah. or or nepotist or whatever or diversity hire. You, that's all you are. Yep. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, that's anyway, a, anyway moving on. <laughs> so uh, this that, this definitely is a great conversation we had. Um, I definitely. I guess I'll close out with one little quote and I'll get your take on this one. There is, it was from um, Katie Couric. That's my girl. I like Katie Couric. And what she said was, the media can be used as an instrument of change. It can maintain the status quo and reflect the views of the society, or it can hopefully awaken people and change minds. I think it depends on who's piloting the plane. And I think um, that quote there pretty basically sums up what we've been saying this this episode. Um, yeah, that's a good quote. Yeah, just just on how much images do matter, whether it's coming across your TV screen or in real life. But definitely because we in the day and age we live in, with us having access to internet and more people watch mm-hmm. TV and you know all that good stuff. It's really important to be representative of it because it really can shape somebody's life and what how other people see them. Yeah. It really does. But it also does the person or people in media do they want the instrument change or is it just like or are they okay with the status quo because it's not really affecting you? Yeah. Well, yeah. If the status quo is a if if you are probably benefiting from the status yeah, quo you're yeah. not going to change it. Yeah, I feel like that. if mm. you're benefiting from the status quo or it's like yeah it might be wrong but I don't want to be the first I don't want to take that risk and be the first person to speak up or change yeah. and let's be honest like that's scary too it's mm-hmm. scary and and let's say outside of like uh, uh, racial things but how many people can honestly say yeah, I know if something is wrong, but I benefit from this wrong. And because I don't know how things would be if it changes, I know it's wrong, but I'm not going to do that much to speak out about it. Because it's like, yeah. while I may empathize with another group, do I want my world turned upside down? No. And a lot of times I'm scared of the unknown. Like, although it may be a, a, a system that is meant to keep certain groups um, so-called inferior other ones is like but how do we know how do I know how it's going to turn out but I'm used to it is what I'm trying to say like change can be exactly. scary for lots of people so yeah it may be wrong but I'm like but dang how, I, how will my life be if this changes yeah yeah we all like to live within our comfort zones and step mm-hmm. off the comfort zone it's right. I'm sorry. I no problem sneeze. here to sneeze <laughs> That's not our comfort zone. It's definitely a scary and hard thing for anyone to do. Yeah. Um. And and I get um. Outside of that, like, I wonder what we could do. Like, what do we need done to change these things? I know it's that cliche thing, like, be the change you want to see. So I know I'll speak for me and. I really, to be honest, I'm really enjoying this topic, talking about it. I'm looking at my notes, and I'm like, I'm looking at the time. This would be a five-hour podcast if we have our way with it. So, I feel like I'm like that with every episode. 
I'm sure, like for frequent listeners, everybody's like, okay, that you hear me saying, all right, to wrap this up, and it's up. It's never because I want to wrap it up. It's like I'm usually getting more excited and more passionate about mm-hmm. having um, these deeper conversations. But I'm, I'll go in a rabbit hole, and we'll end up somewhere way else. But two um, weeks of later, we still gonna be talking about. Yeah, I'm sure when when this episode is done, y'all, like Tasha was saying we will stop recording this and I'm sure we'll end up talking about this again and um anyway so I guess what I'm doing to try to change some things about it is I'm big on showing like a full picture whether it's Mm -hmm. the ugly truth or not and we I was having a conversation with my husband yesterday and we were just talking about finances and we were talking about um what what plans we have moving forward with our two oldest girls we were talking about we were discussing like the green light card and putting your chores on there so they get paid for it and then there are different um black people who have created books specifically for kids to teach them how to manage money and it's like monopoly games and it's things like that so we said that that was going to be implemented soon so we're going to be purchasing that and teaching them that um talked about things similar to me and you Tosh when we grew up and kind of how we were introduced to like running the household and bill paying and all that it kind of you stumbled upon at that time lots of people still like wrote their checks out I know our parents they elect um e-pay and all that stuff wasn't really out at all at least we didn't know about it at the times I'm talking about but remember that you come down you'll see um our parents at the at the table on the Saturday morning they writing out bills and you just like what you mm-hmm. doing then it's like, oh, did you want to, you want to learn? So getting taught that. Yes. Um, how to balance a checkbook and pay your bills. And we got, we talked about credit cards and debit cards. We called it ACM cards. And at the time it was the <laughs> Mac machine. It wasn't the ATM yet. It was only Mac machine. I yeah. I sound ancient to some people probably. We do, we do, we do. <laughs> but, and um, yeah so outside of like the financial things where I'm like okay exposing and I'm trying to be like that that, that cliche thing be the change you want to see so I've worked obviously traditional jobs but right now I am doing um, podcasting and content creating and now uh, the older girls they I got a TikTok recently and yesterday they were like you, Michelle, you came across my TikTok. I'm like, oh, really? So, um, right now, uh, I'm recording a podcast. Yeah. I was asking them, like, okay, try to quiet it down. We'll see. When I go to edit this, we'll see how they did on that task, if they stayed quiet enough for me to record it. But, um, so they're learning that. So, just seeing different things. And, and they have aunts that are business owners and one of their aunts owns a clothing boutique and, and just different things. And I think um, on their mom's side is they have an aunt that owns a, a daycare and different businesses and are doing well off. So I just want to keep being those people in their lives, just adding to more people in their lives that just showing us a different array of things. Like we're going to support you if you choose to go the traditional job route. That's fine by us. We're going to show you um, some entrepreneurship. We'll show you content creating. Like, whatever our natural talents are, we want you to be able to have that option to know what it is. And that is all. <laughs> um, thank you, Tasha. Uh-oh. Yeah. I got a cold. <coughs> oh, man. See, I run my Good mouth one. so much. Now I realize I always got to have a cup of water with me when I do this podcast. My mouth gets so dry because I be all amped up and all that. But as I was saying before, I was uh, 
coughing. Uh, thank you for coming on. I had fun you're as you usual. Me too. I said, you're welcome. I had fun too. All right, Tasha. Love you, girl. I'll see you on Thanksgiving in a few days. Love you too. <laughs> Bye. Y'all want to chat between episodes because I still do. I'm loving it. So if you want to talk more in between episodes, make sure you are following me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. I'm at Black Introverted Mom on all platforms. And I make sure to pop those links into the show notes. And thank you so much again for listening to this week's episode of the Introverted Black Mom Podcast with Shalia Williams. I really, really enjoy talking to Natasha, y'all. And I especially enjoy being able to connect and think about how many ways media has really affected our lives thus far. All right, y'all. Talk to y'all later. Bye.